college basketball podcast. This is Jonathan here alongside Sean. Duke UNC, it always delivers, right? Did it? No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, we It was scheduled to be probably the most loaded Saturday we had of the season. Uh, we were saying it did not deliver. Uh, Duke, of course, blew UNC out. Uh, Kansas blew Baylor out. Kentucky. I, I wouldn't call that one as big of a blot. It was, it was just ugly the entire game. It is terrible basketball game. Doesn't help when Alabama uh, goes three of 30 from three. I think that's the final total. Yeah. 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 So not, not good shooting. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll start with, I think the, the biggest game on paper coming into it, uh, Duke, North Carolina, it's the, you know, matchup. It's coach K's final visit to the Dean dome, uh, coach K John Shire, uh, Roy Williams, Hubert Davis were taking a photo beforehand. Uh, and simply put, I think one team showed up, one team did not. North Carolina got down early and never really made this a game. I think part of it is that one team's good and one team's not. I, North, North Carolina is not that good. And they have the talent to be, they just aren't. And I'm, yeah. I think we're at the point now where we can kind of just be like, this is not an NCAA tournament level team because there hasn't been a point this year where I've been like, this is a tournament team, except for in the preseason, like pretty firmly all year. They have not looked very good. They've gotten destroyed several times. Like they're, here's the thing. They have seven losses, but I'm not sure someone gets like destroyed in their losses more than North Carolina does. Like there's a difference between losing and just getting destroyed. And they've gotten destroyed on five different occasions this year. Like it's not good. They're 97th in defensive efficiency. The the thing about the Hubert Davis hire was that he was going to modernize North Carolina basketball a little bit. They were going to play less two bigs, which they pretty much play no uh, two natural bigs together. It's just Armando Baycott and then Brady Manick at the four, who's been really good. He's been probably their best player outside of Armando Baycott this year. But that's saying a lot about this North Carolina team that Brady Manick's been one of their better players because that's not what was expected. Caleb Love's been inconsistent. They haven't had consistency at all from guards in general. The shooting's been there. They're 38.6%, but they don't defend. They don't force any turnovers, 13% of defensive possessions and then turnovers. And when Armando Baycott struggles, this team struggles even more. I didn't think Baycott would have a good game in this one because Duke is extremely physical and really good uh, against opposing big men. Baycott, 12 points, 4 for 10 from the field. He had a, you know, whatever game for his standards. Brady Manick, 21. There's just not a lot here for North Carolina. I'm completely out on this team. I have been for a while. No Quadrant 1 wins. Their opportunity to get a Quadrant 1 win is drying up here really fast. Unless we're going to say that they're going to win in Cameron Indoor Stadium or, I guess, win at Virginia Tech, which is barely a Quadrant 1 win. Uh, If they beat Virginia Tech, they still shouldn't be in the tournament. But if they beat Duke in Cameron, then fine. Maybe put them in the tournament. But this is not an NCAA tournament team. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the frustrating thing, too, is, like, it'd be one thing if North Carolina loses this game. I mean, we both picked Duke to win for a reason. It's because Duke is just a better team. It's one thing if they lose this game, but you'll make it competitive. They just, they, they got, you know, Duke threw the first punch, and I guess North Carolina late in the first half cut it to, like, 13 or whatever it was, I guess 11 at halftime, and then, Duke's like come out of the second half. All right, let's uh, throw the first punch of the second half. And uh, North Carolina just didn't really respond. And 
that's kind of been a theme this season. Like take away the Purdue loss. And I think the Notre Dame loss, all the North Carolina losses are, they get down early and then they just keep shooting. Yeah. They keep, I think what they do is like, they keep shooting, trying to shoot themselves out of a hole. They're like, all right, we're down 10. We need to take this 10.3. There are no three 10.3s. There's only three point threes and there's uh two point shots. You can, you can only score. I guess you can score a four point play. That's about it. But uh, yeah, you, you can't, you'll come back on one play. And I think that's kind of what you see out of this North Carolina team. They get down early and they're like trying to come back all by shooting 30 footers for style points. And you, you just can't do that. And I think in this, this game, you know, it'd be one thing if this is a close loss, but this was never close. And, you know, credit to Duke. They're a really good team. AJ Griffin is looking like a star, uh, which I, I think, greatly exceeds you know, excels this uh duke you know talent wise they have legitimately with ben caro aj griffin uh wendell Mar- Moore, uh, mark williams uh like those are four potential first round picks trevor keels came coming off the bench now uh this duke team is really talented so it's it's one thing to lose though to duke it's another thing to just get uh blown out but as for Duke, I mean, they won't really – it's kind of like the same thing we say with Gonzaga. They're not going to really get a uh, test up until the NCAA tournament of a team similar caliber to them. So we, I guess we won't know up until then you know, whether they can go and win the NCAA title, but certainly the talent is uh, most definitely there for Duke to do that. I'll tell you right now what's going to happen with North Carolina. So right now they're 16-7. and seven. They'll beat Clemson on the road. I'll tell you, they're, they're, that's going to be a quadrant two win. They're going to win that one. They're going to beat Florida State, and they're going to beat Pitt. Then they're going to be 19-7 and seven, heading into a matchup against Virginia Tech in Blacksburg on February 19th. Let's say they win that one. They're 20-7. and seven. They go beat Louisville. They go beat NC State. They go beat Cuse. That's, what, seven wins? So that'll put them at 23-7. and seven. And then the, let's say they lose to Duke. They're 23 or they're 22 and eight. They go and win. No, 23 and eight. Let's say they go and win a game and lose a game in the ACC tournament. Then they're 24 and nine. I get the record solid. They're not a tournament team still for me. They have to beat Duke and Cameron to get in the tournament in my mind because, or in the ACC tournament, go beat them in the ACC tournament because they haven't shown that they can beat an NCAA tournament caliber team all season. And I think that matters. They beat Michigan. Sure. That's great. Michigan's not very good. You beat Furman. That's a good mid-major win, but you're North Carolina. You're expected to win that game. You beat Virginia. Awesome. Virginia hasn't been very good all year, and they might be the third best team in the conference right now, which is, says a whole lot about the conference. Like the win at Louisville, that's not a good win. You're supposed to win that game because Louisville is terrible this year. It, there's not a lot of options. There's not a lot of room for them to really grow from what they are right now. I just don't see a way they make the tournament unless they can win at Duke, and I, I'll stand pretty firmly on that. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, one this this year's bubble is it is atrocious. Somebody though, like for me to believe that you should make the tournament, you have to beat somebody. Yeah, and, and they have they have the chances too. Like that's the yeah. thing. They, it's not like they didn't have the chance. They have had the chances. They've lost all of those chances. It's yeah. different when like you're uh, like like 
Murray State's not even really on the bubble anymore, but Murray State's made the most of their opportunities. They've won the games they needed to win. They should be in the tournament. Same goes for a team like Wyoming. So mid-major teams that have done their work and have beat the teams that uh, have helped boost their resume, then that's huge. All those teams have more Quadrant 1 wins in, than North Carolina. Like, those teams have better resumes in North Carolina. So I, I don't want to see North Carolina get in unless they can, like, like maybe I, I still don't want – I don't think they should be in unless they beat Duke in Cameron. But if they went out before that and then lose that one, they probably will. I just don't think they should. Yeah. There's a long way to tell what the state of the bubble is. I can tell you right now it is – it's not, it's not pretty. Uh, St. Louis and Belmont, you're in. You're in right now. And, yeah, North Carolina, they're out. Uh, so, you know, credit to Belmont. They're, they're right in uh, the NCAA tournament. Two-bit OVC. You predict it before the season, and now we're here. Hey, I liked Murray State a lot. I think I ended up siding with Belmont being the best team, but uh, it was really close for me all offseason. I liked Murray State quite a bit, and they're really good. Like, they're going to be – we're recording this on Sunday evening. Murray State will be ranked when you listen to this podcast episode on Monday. Like, they will be 100%. It's not even a question. They will be ranked. I, w- I will not say 100% because AP voters do dumb things, but they should. Uh, I think most of the AP voters are, are pretty good. It just comes down to – it just comes down to, I feel like they could have been ranked last week, but a lot of the teams near the back end of the top 25 lost. Like, you look at some of those teams, LSU, how good are they? They've lost a bunch of games in a row. Their offense is a complete disaster. Their defense has not been good recently. So if their defense isn't good and they can't do anything on offense, then they're just a bad team. So they should certainly not be ranked. They'll fall out of the rankings. Alabama probably, I would assume, won't come into the rankings after their game the other day. Texas will probably fall out. Xavier should fall out. USC shouldn't have been ranked, I feel like, to begin with. Like, I get why they are, and I think I had them ranked last week, but they're not a top 25 caliber team. UConn might fall out. So, like, there's a lot of teams that aren't going to be ranked that are currently ranked. Yeah, certainly. I guess we can move on here. Two teams that will still be ranked, probably Maybe, maybe Baylor won't probably still be ranked. No, they top definitely 10. will. Yeah, they definitely will. All right. Uh, Kansas, we, we, last week they get blown out by Kentucky. A little bit of a wake-up call. They responded as well as you could because they, without Ochai Baji, went on the road and beat Iowa State. And this game, they won 83-59 to because uh, it was at one point, I think, at 32. Uh, just an utter beatdown by the Jayhawks on Baylor. And I, I guess which, which way do you want to start Baylor or Kansas? I'm going to start with Baylor because I think Baylor's fine. Like I'm not concerned. They just got off to a poor start and the poor start didn't change. They just played bad. And that happens. This was a team that was ranked number one, not that long ago. They're still top 10 in Ken Palm, still top 10 in every metric you can find. I had an, a couple uh, Illinois fans and a couple Texas tech fans tell me like how is Baylor ranked ahead of our team and I said the metrics like just look at the metrics and that backs it up like they have seven quadrant one wins I get they lost at Allen Fieldhouse by a million points but that happens like it's tough to win at Kansas I get Kentucky did it but Kansas was playing motivated here they got Ochai back from from uh, COVID protocols he dropped 18 Christian Brown dropped 18 and when a team shoot 64% from the field. They're usually going to do pretty well, but Baylor just played terribly off on offense, which hurt their defense in a lot of ways. It was just one of those games. Nothing was falling for Baylor. That's going to happen occasionally. 
Uh, James Akinjo didn't score. That's probably never going to happen again. Then you look at Adam Flagler coming right off injury. He had 16. That's pretty solid. I mean, he was their best scorer, but they still didn't have LJ Cryer, who was their leading scorer for a large portion of the season. So I'm not concerned about Baylor. This kind of alleviates some of my concerns about Kansas because Mitch Lightfoot did play well, but he's still a backup at best. And David McCormick also really didn't play well. He had nine points, but seven were on free throws, one for six from the field. I, I still don't trust that, but DeWan Harris had seven assists, so he's a great floor general. I still don't know if he can be the point guard on a national title team. So uh, I still have some concerns about Kansas, but this was an impressive win for the Jayhawks. Yeah, and certainly I think a win that, you know, I guess they'll play at Texas if they win that. The Big 12 regular season race is probably about wrapped up uh, because I I at least they're going to get a share of the big 12 title if they win that game. But yeah, I think for, I'll take this from Kansas's perspective. I mean, you get Christian Brown, I think was playing really well. And uh, yeah, I think what they did well is they pressured defense. They forced a lot of tough shots. Uh, And for Kansas, the defense had been, you know, kind of not good pretty much the entire season. They were allowing uh, teams to just get shots off at will uh, against Kentucky, Kentucky at 80, uh, I guess 91 in double overtime against Texas Tech's not that's inflated by double overtime, but 78 to Kansas state, uh, you know, so the defense had been somewhat of a concern this season and the defense was, I think really big and early on, you know, getting this uh, game out of hand defensively, they were, you know, getting steals, getting the ball out in transition. Just when you have, I think four guys who can really kind of handle the ball with Wilson, Abaji, Brown, uh, Harrison transition. They were able to get the ball going down the court with ease. And uh, when you have four players that can handle it like that, I think they can certainly, if you're missing shots against Kansas and they're playing the defense they played on Saturday, that's going to be a tough matchup for uh, any team you play. And that was kind of the key in the game. Uh, McCormick, I mean, he didn't, necessarily score a whole lot, but I think he was kind of good defensively uh, in this game, had eight rebounds, uh, I think was you know, at least decent on the defensive end. Uh, and I think, you know, just for this Kansas team uh, to get solid post play, whether it was McCormick, whether it was Lightfoot, I think that was key. And uh, yeah, Kansas runs away with this one uh, wins rather handily for Baylor tough loss. Uh, obviously when James Akinjo scores uh, less points than Mitchell Paul, you're probably not going to win that game. Uh, So yeah, not, not a, not a good performance by Baylor. Uh, We'll see. They still got some tough upcoming games. They play at Kansas state who just beat TCU. So we'll see on them, uh, but certainly they're not playing their best basketball, at least right now. Alabama continues to be the most confusing team in college basketball. I expected them to lose to Kentucky because I really like Kentucky. I didn't expect them to go three for 30 from three. Three for 30, 10% from three-point range. 46% of their shots this year come from three. They're shooting 30.5% from deep on the season, which ranks 316th nationally, which is 
like bottom 52, I guess, technically. So they're a bottom 52 three-point shooting team in the country, and they take almost more three-point shots than anybody. That's not a winning recipe, no matter how you look at it. Like, you're going to lose a lot of games when you're shooting that poorly, but you take that many. That's what that's what this is right now. Yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing. If they go, they lose by 11, quick math, if they go seven for 30, Technically, they win that game. I don't know how the rest of the game sorts out, of course. Like, if they have a kind of, you know, if they shoot, like, at that 33% number with the volume of threes they were taking, uh, they they might have won that game. I thought Alabama defensively was good in this game. Uh, they were forcing, you know, Charles Bediaku was good on the defensive end, kind of slowing down Oscar Shibway. Oscar, I mean, he still gets his 10 points, 15 rebounds, but... Uh, they really didn't let Kentucky get down, transition, run, uh, just kind of do Kentucky things. And Alabama still loses because, simply put, you can't make threes. And uh, for Alabama, if they're going to shoot the way they shot in this game, uh, they're not going to beat Kentucky. They're not going to beat Georgia. They're not going to beat Missouri. Uh, This is the volatility you get when you shoot this many threes. uh, And you don't have – elite three-point shooters who will knock down the threes. Yeah, like they were able to to survive a bad shooting night last year because Herb Jones was such a good defender. He was really everything for that team. Now they don't have that. They're not a very good defensive team. They were fine yesterday, but you're not going to win any games when you shoot three for 30. I mean, that's just probably the worst shooting performance of the year from anybody I'd have to imagine. Like I, I don't have a stat for that in front of me, but I can't imagine anyone's shot worse than that. Yeah. Certainly, certainly not in a like top 25 matchup like this. No, no, definitely not. Yeah. Although I guess Alabama wasn't ranked, which probably serves them right since they're now 14 and nine, but yeah, I mean, when you shoot like this, you're not going to win many games. Simply put. Uh, Very true. And then looking at uh, a couple Pac-12 matchups that were interesting. USC had a chance to beat Arizona, but Arizona holds on because top to bottom, they're the better team. They were at home and they end up winning by nine. It was a solid game from USC. I mean, I don't know what to think of this team. They don't have any huge wins. Their best wins are over Washington State and San Diego State. They nearly lost to Arizona State. They played a good game, but I don't offensively they're not great even though offensively their metrics like them more than they do defensively which kind of concerns me because I would have thought they're a top 10 to 15 defense in the country I don't really like this USC team I'm not in on them I don't have them ranked I I just haven't been all that impressed what do you think yeah I mean with this USC team I thought they put up a pretty good effort to be in that game with you got that under four timeout but uh, when the game's on the line and you need to make tough shots to win the game. I think they, they missed their shots. And simply put, I, you know, question with this backcourt, like is Boogie Ellis a legit go-to scorer at the guard position? I don't know that he is. Like Isaiah Mobley is very good inside. Uh, you can, I think he's, you know, very reliable. He's a first-team all-pack 12 level player. Uh, but, you know, outside of Isaiah Mobley, who can you really trust? Like Boogie Ellis is inconsistent uh Ethan Anderson is he didn't give much Drew Pearson didn't do a whole lot so I think there's just too much inconsistency at the guard position to really trust this team going forward I like what they did defensively they 
you know, made a fantastic Arizona team uh, play pretty poor on the offensive end. It's just, you know, when the game's on the line, you need your guards to make, go get, you know, go make a three, go uh, knock down a key shot. They just didn't. And that's why they lose this game. Arizona, you know, certainly a very good team offensively. They're as good as they come uh, maybe outside Gonzaga, but like Arizona is, you know, they're, they're, they're very fun to watch. They're very good at, um, you know, scoring. They struggle in this game, but Hey, if you're able to struggle and still beat a you know, team that was ranked 19th coming into this game, uh, that's a, that's a good sign. Definitely. And I mentioned they almost lost to Arizona state earlier in the week. Well, UCLA did lose to Arizona state on Saturday evening. It was the last game of the day and it was quite the thriller three overtimes wasn't exactly great basketball, but it was a three overtime game. Arizona state has been one of the worst three point shooting teams in the country this year, but UCLA cannot make a shot down the stretch. Johnny Juzang missed his final eight shots. Marion Jackson at 23 for Arizona state. Jalen Graham came up big late in the game UCLA's interesting because Tiger Campbell didn't play well Johnny Juzang didn't play particularly well and I do question their front court Miles Johnson's a good defender a good rim protector Uh, he's not a great defender in space and Cody Riley's really struggled this season Miles Johnson isn't a great offensive player I think that could be the detriment the what the detriment to UCLA season I, I just don't trust that front court at all but they have a lot of pieces around them what do you think yeah, I mean, with this UCLA team, like I like their wing play with Hakez, Juzang. Uh, even though Juzang was inefficient, feels like Juzang is like oftentimes like he's got that like Kobe mentality that like it doesn't matter the, the last six shots I may have missed, uh, I'm gonna make the next one. Like he's got he's kind of got that mentality, but uh, obviously miss miss the first six shots and miss the next two uh, because. Uh, that's that's the way basketball works sometimes. Uh, you know, Hakez, I think, is good. Like, I like their, you know, I like Tiger Campbell as kind of like a glue guy point guard. I like Bernard. I like Hakez. I just, I don't, I don't think any of these pieces are necessarily elite. Like, Juzang is obviously fantastic NCAA tournament run. How much of that was, you know, him having some of the best games of his life? And how much of that is, you know, sustainable throughout the season? I, I, that was kind of like the question of him being like a potential first team All-American coming in this season. How much of that March run is sustainable? And, you know, it has been pretty sustainable throughout the season, but it hasn't been what March Madness Giant Juzang has been, uh, which is, you know, of course, somewhat of a concern. Hawkez uh, has been good, but this UCLA team, they have a lot of continuity. Uh you know, but I don't, I don't know how well I can trust this uh, UCLA team, uh, especially consistency wise. Arizona State's been so interesting to me this season, just because they have wins over Oregon, at Oregon, at Creighton. Now they beat UCLA, but they just have not been able to shoot the ball. Like if they were like a thirty-one percent three-point shooting team, they would be a probably a bubble team. They play really hard, and it's different from a lot of recent Arizona State teams. You think of the team like Trey Holder, Remy Martin, Shannon Evans. Those were teams that would just shoot threes and knock them down, didn't play a ton of defense. This team defends really hard. They have a lot of size. They start Alonzo Gaffney, Jalen Graham, and Kamani Lawrence together, but they do not shoot the ball well at all. 
and that's been a problem for them all year. Even though Marion Jackson has been a great shooter in his career, only 23% this year, Jay Heath and DJ Horn have been the only reliable sources of three-point shooting this year. Arizona State's a pesky team, though. Like that, They're not a team. They're a team that could do some damage to a potential bubble team, I think. Even, even though the Pac-12 doesn't have a ton of bubble teams, it'll be an interesting game seeing Arizona State playing their rival Arizona tomorrow in Tempe. Yeah, certainly. Uh, legendary Bill Walton had this quote. There are four guys on Arizona State wearing a headband. Will that be key? Uh, he said that before the third overtime, Arizona State, they won the third overtime and they won the game. So legendary analysis. After that, I mean, at the same time, Gonzaga, BYU played. I, I didn't watch this game outside of like the first four minutes because that's about all you need to see because Gonzaga just ran away with another win. They are the number one team in the country in my mind with what they've done recently. Are you going Gonzaga or Auburn? I mean, I still kind of base my rankings fully on resume, which I think at this point it, it is it is Gonzaga or it is Auburn who uh, has the advantage resume wise, uh, just with the amount of quadrant one wins, with the you know strength of record. But I mean, this Gonzaga team, if you're you're telling me pick a team to go out win six games in March, I think Gonzaga has to be you know at the top of that list, and especially I think the key has been Chet Holmgren being the player that he was kind of like brought in to be like earlier this season, I think he was kind of like trying to figure out his role uh, within this team, but he's figured it out and he is just putting up statistical monstrous games Uh, in this game, 20 points, 17 rebounds, uh, six assists, five blocks. Uh, He's, you know, passing the ball. He's running the point for the team. He's knocking down pick and pop threes. Like he's doing it literally everything for this Gonzaga team. And uh, it is, pushed Drew Timmy to being like the number two option, Andrew Nimar to just being like, go out there, play point guard. And I think that has been key for this Gonzaga team uh, because, you know, when you have Chet Holmgren playing the way he is now playing at this point in the season, that is dangerous for uh, the rest of college basketball. Uh, you know, BYU you know, never really looked like they were ever in this game. I think they may have scored like the first – they scored the first five points. After that, it was complete uh, Gonzaga steamroll. Gonzaga is just so good. You mentioned Chet Holmgren's progression throughout the season. It can take freshman time to really get going and to get into their full form. Like he's a really talented player, and we're really seeing that now. Up to fifteen points per game, nine rebounds, and this one he had twenty points, fifteen rebounds six assists, or he had 17 rebounds, six assists and five blocks. He's shooting around 50% from three this year. He's just such a talented player. And him having a guy like him around Drew Timmy, who's at post presence, helps him both out because Timmy can kick it out to a wide open home grin, or I guess it can be an even contested home grin. He can just shoot over you for three, and he's going to make it more uh, close to as much as he misses it. And you can't really double Drew Timmy because he's going to be able to pass out to a shooter. That's kind of like what we were seeing with Gonzaga last year. Their shooting struggled for a portion of this year, but getting Chet Holmgren playing the way he's been playing makes Gonzaga the best team in the country. Yeah, and certainly uh, the team, I mean, if you're you're looking at who's going to win the national championship, I think you kind of have to start that list with uh, Gonzaga. I think you'd put, I mean, Duke has progressed, I think, since then. 
I think they're right there. I think Kentucky's progressed since the beginning of the season. I think though, if you told me take those three or take the field, I think I'd take those three teams right now. Who do you would you take those three or the field? Um, that's tough. So I can't take any of the three of them. No, you can take those three, or you take the every all three hundred fifty five other teams. I'll take the odds with the other teams just because there's more of them. Like, I I think one of those three teams could very well win the title, and I'll probably have Gonzaga winning it in my bracket. But I like the odds just with how crazy college basketball has been this year and how many good teams there are that I'll take take the odds with the other teams. All right. Don't don't say I didn't warn you, though. Uh, But I think certainly one of those teams, if you're taking the field, it would have to be the Illinois Fighting Illini who – we're in a battle with uh, Indiana. Uh, you know, Michael Durr was playing really good post defense on Kofi Coburn. And then the second half, Illinois just turned it on and uh, ran away with this game. Trent Frazier had a really good game. Kofi Coburn started to dominate in the second half. Alfonso Plummer, uh, he doesn't know how to miss threes. Uh, although I guess he went two of seven. It feels like it's going in every single time. Though. Yeah, every time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this Illinois team. Uh, really good, and I think Candle, the Indiana team that certainly, like, this is not Indiana's Super Bowl. That was Purdue, but this is, like, a really big game for Indiana, and for Illinois to go in uh, cool, calm, and collected uh, and win this game uh, rather handily at the end, I think this, this speaks a lot to uh, Illinois, and that they're a, like, team. If, you, if you're telling me, pick, picture a team, can you picture this team cutting down the nets in uh, in April in New Orleans. I think Illinois is one of those teams that uh, can cut down nets in April. Illinois absolutely could, and I think Villanova could be one of those teams also because Jay Wright is such a great coach. Eric Dixon had a tremendous game yesterday against UConn. Do you think Villanova is a legitimate title contender? I I, I think they could make a Final Four. I don't think so. Like I no, oh man, I think so. I mean, because you have Colin Gillespie, Justin Moore didn't play yesterday, and they dropped eighty five. Jermaine Samuels is at an up and down year. If they get production from Eric Dixon like this, they're gonna be they're gonna be a team I probably pick to at least the elite eight. Yeah, I mean Eric Dixon has certainly been a revelation. I just I can't I can't trust the you know consistency of this team because we'll we'll see this like. They play a fantastic game. This this version of Villanova can go out and beat uh, a lot of teams. Then they'll you know struggle against Marquette, and uh, they'll struggle, I guess, again against Marquette. Maybe that's just a matchup thing. Uh, they've struggled you know against St. John's a little bit. I mean, they've been inconsistent this year, but I, I certainly buy the upside with this team being able to contend with a lot of the teams. I don't know if I bat them as a team that can actually cut down the nets. Interesting. Uh, I, I yeah, I, I get the I get your point, but I'm going to bet on Jay Wright as he's probably the best coach in college basketball. But we'll see what happens there. Loyola Chicago 
gets gets a little bit of revenge against Missouri State, who beat them earlier in the year. They get a nice road win there. Lucas Williamson, like I said, he wasn't in foul trouble. I said if he wasn't in foul trouble, I think they're going to be able to win, and he could do a pretty good job on Isaiah Mosley, and he did just that. Isaiah Mosley did not have a very good game. He scored 12 points, didn't make a three. He went four for 14 from the field. Gage Prim at 21, but overall Loyola Chicago played really well. This was one of their better defensive games of the year in my eyes because of how good Missouri State can be offensively. The Ramblers are a good team. I mean, do you, what, what's your takeaway from the Ramblers? Like they've had, they've had some up and down games thus far this year, especially in league play. But when it gets to March, you see that experience with Lucas Williamson and some of the other guys on the roster. Do you think they're a team that can make, make a second weekend appearance? Yeah, I, I could see that being the case. Uh, I mean, the, the issue, of course, has been they've been inconsistent. Uh, they, you know, they lose. I guess Missouri stay at home, Drake on the road uh, aren't necessarily bad losses. They probably stayed a little bit too close in some of the games they played, especially in the Valley. Uh, but yeah, this, I mean, the thing with the Loyal Chicago is I think they're, they're relying on making their outside jumpers. They're going to play tough defense. You know that. Uh, you know, and I think it comes down to whether they're making their tough shots. And today they were making tough shots. Like every time it felt like Missouri state was kind of like they're cutting it to four, they're cutting it to two. Uh, it felt like Lucas Williamson or Tate Hall was just going to pull up, uh, from what felt like 30 feet and drill a dagger in uh, Missouri state's heart. And, uh, that was, that was certainly key in this game. I think this was a underrated win for Loyola Chicago because they, they had lost a couple games in a row. They were they weren't necessarily on the bubble. Like I think they're above the bubble, but like they're they're certainly going in the wrong direction seed wise. And I think this win uh, helps solidify them. Uh, and you know if they're able to get away with a win at Bradley uh, this week, I mean that would be certainly a great uh, certainly response to that loss to Drake last uh, Sunday. Uh, and then, you know, going forward, I think Loyal Chicago uh, is going to coast comfortably in to be uh, an at-large team. Uh, I think the outside shooting, especially in this game and going forward, that's going to be the key for uh, them winning. Another unbeaten conference mid-major team falls. That is the Iona Gales, led by Rick Pitino. They drop one to Niagara. It was pretty close. They led for a portion of the second half. They got in the hole, and they were not able to come out. That probably gets rid of their at-large chances. How far out of the bubble do you think they are? Because at the end of the day, they I think, I think they were already probably not in the tournament before this game. They probably had to go unbeaten in conference play to be an at-large team. And dropping this one is not a good loss because Niagara, they're a fine team in the MAC, but that's that's a quadrant three, potentially quadrant four loss. Yeah, I mean this Iona team is uh, kind of interesting resume wise. Like they rank in the uh, resume metrics, they rank thirtieth uh, in KPI and twenty first in strength of record. Obviously, those will probably take a little bit of a tumble uh, as those update uh, overnight, but. The thing that's ironically holding them back, and I got a kick out of uh, Ken, Ken Palm was like, the system's flawed if Iona uh, is out because of a loss like that. And then it's actually Ken Palm that is uh, right now, like if we're looking at what's 
going to keep Iona out, it's because they're ranked 77th in Ken Palm, uh, which I kind of get a kick out of. But yeah, I think Iona, I, if they lose the conference championship game to Monmouth, I could maybe see a scenario like the, the bubbles need, can need to continue to be the dumpster fire that it is right now uh, for that to be the case. I'm not going to completely rule it out, but I think from here on out, they cannot lose any more uh, regular season matchups. I'll say that at the least. Yeah, I really did think they were going to go unbeaten in league play, but it didn't happen. Hard to do, but definitely was incorrect on that one. I still believe in this team long term. They're not a team I'd want to face in the NCAA tournament. But is it time to get into our picks for the week? You're, you're going to forget about the game winner of the week. One of the rare good games of this weekend. What David Roddy. Oh, right, right. Uh, David yeah, Roddy. It's a good one. David Roddy. I mean, that game was just so strange. Like, I was pretty much done watching him when it was like a 17-point game in the middle of the second half. And then San Diego State just got on fire and got a ton of stops. I mean, Lamont and Butler hit a three and then David Roddy responded with a game winner. Matt Bradley might've gotten fouled. Do you think he got fouled driving to the basket? I think so. I don't think the ref had an angle to where he could possibly seen it. Like looking on the replay, like, I don't know how the ref is able to actually see that. And part of that is like, it's frantic. One, you don't, you don't want to be the reason Colorado State loses the game. And turns out you might have been the reason San Diego State lost the game. So, I don't know. I think it was a foul. I don't know if the ref had a good position to see if it was a foul, though. So I agree with you. Like, I, I think it might have been a foul, but, like, I'm fine with it not being called. Like, it was just a – but that's part of what I love about college basketball. Like, I love it when teams just – after a made basket, you're down, just go right to the basket. Because I think that's one of the best ways to get something going because, or just pull up from three just because, yeah, you can set up a play in a timeout, but that means that the defense also has time to set up a defense. When they're scrambling around defensively, they don't have that time to set anything up. And I think that definitely favors the offense in more situations than not. Yeah, and certainly, like, you, if you get the ball in the right player's hand, I think it was Bradley who had it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have Matt Bradley going full speed down the court to try to either draw a foul or get to the line or, you know, win, make the shot, I think that works out more times than it does. Uh, let's say you're, you call timeout, you set up a plate, you know, that play, if you run it perfectly, like could work if you like do everything right. But you know what also works pretty well and probably more likely than not run down the court and beating the defense to the spot and uh, getting an easy uh, look. So without a question, I mean, it's just always cool to be able to respond with a nice basket. That's what David Roddy did hit a good mid range jumper. So that was very impressive. Yeah, certainly. Uh, And then stay in the mountain West before we get into the picks, Wyoming. I mean, here we here we go. They they win the two big games. We said they need to win. They need to beat Colorado State, Boise State. They do that. This is just icing on the cake here. They win at Fresno State. They're not only going to be an NCAA tournament team at this point, minus like a collapse of all collapses. They're going to be in the NCAA tournament. 
Uh, right now, that I didn't see was were they in the top twenty five for you? Uh, yeah. Let me let me pull that up. I think I had them twenty two. Yeah, twenty two, just behind Wake and just ahead of St. Mary's, UConn, and Boise. There we go. Yeah, I mean, they they're just they're really good. I mean, this Graham E.K. Hunter Maldonado. We can't say enough with them. Like that's as good of a one two combination. Uh, Jeff Linder is done a terrific job in like two seasons or is it mm-hmm. two seasons right yeah since he got the job to take Wyoming from complete mediocrity to being 19-3 and in NCAA tournament bound that's an incredible job especially history. with Hunter Maldonado a six foot seven true point guard He's able to back you down and kick out to shooters. He's just a special talent. Same goes for Graham E.K. Shooters all across the floor. This is not a team I would want to see against me in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, certainly not. Uh, any, any other things before we get into the picks, though? No, I think that uh, sums up my thoughts for the weekend. All right. Uh, I took the lead. Uh, convincing weekend. Uh, so I'm up now four games on you. So you're going to need a good week here. I, I think I'll get it going. We'll see. All right. First game, big Monday, Kansas going on the road to take on Texas. Uh, the, Texas, they beat Iowa State earlier this week. Are you rolling with the uh, Longhorns? I, I don't think Iowa State is very good. That's my biggest takeaway from that. I'm going to stay in this one. I don't see how Kansas is an underdog here. I'm going to take Kansas, and I think they're going to win fairly handily. I know Texas is talented, and I've said that all year too, but we just haven't seen it. Like, they haven't looked anywhere near a top 25 team for much of the year. They're still top 14. They're 14th in Ken Palm. They'll need a big one for Marcus Carr if they're going to win. The rotation is so confusing. I'm, I'm going to go with Kansas to win. Yeah, I'm also going to go with uh, Kansas in this one, like, I think Texas will muck it up and make it like a really close game. Uh, but we've seen like close game after close game. Kansas knows how to kind of close those games out. So I'll take Kansas to win uh, like uh, probably another game where like Abaji or Dewan Harris, or maybe it's Jalen Wilson this time who it's a game winner. Who knows? Uh, yeah. But, I think it'll be a Kansas win. Yeah. There we go. So uh, same pick here, moving on to Tuesday. Uh, we've got game of the day, but first we got to do the uh, warm up games just because we're taking this in order of time. Marquette at UConn. UConn come off that loss to Villanova. Marquette has beat Villanova, but UConn is favored by five. Who do you like here? I'm going to go with Marquette because I just think they're better right now. UConn hasn't looked great recently. I still believe in this UConn team a little bit. But Marquette, I think, is just legitimately really good. So I'm going to go with UCon- or Marquette to win outright and cover. Yeah, I'll, I'll go Marquette to co- cover the five. Like, you you give me five points with this Marquette team, uh, I'll take it. Like, even they might lose, it probably be a close game. But, yeah, give me Marquette. I guess I'll take Marquette to win the game outright. So both going uh, straight up upsets here. So maybe this one will change. Auburn, they barely beat Georgia this weekend. They're going on the road to take on Arkansas. Is this the game they get tripped up? No, and I get it, Arkansas fans. You guys are 18-5. and 
Uh, you guys have beat LSU, which at this point, what is that win really like? And you're, you're won eight consecutive games. I'm not a believer in this Arkansas team. So give me Auburn to win on the road. I'm going to take Arkansas. Uh, I'll take the points as well. But, I mean, this is Auburn hey, team, I, I think this is going to be a tough road environment. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Arkansas to pull off the upset. I think Arkansas has been playing much better. I think Jalen Williams is going to match up well with Walker Kessler. And if uh, Katie Johnson, Wendell Green continue to forget Jar- Jabari Smith exists, uh, they're, they're eventually going to lose one of these games. So give me Arkansas to pull off the upset, knock off number one. Uh, then we've got Wisconsin at Michigan State. Uh, the the pregame to the big game in the Big Ten, we've got uh, Badgers. Ugly win against Penn State, going against Michigan State. So give me give me the Spartans to win and cover the four-point spread. Man, that, that's an interesting one for me. I'm going to say – it depends. Like, Johnny Davis hasn't played well recently. It is a Big Ten home game. I'm going to take Michigan State giving the four, but I don't feel good about it. Yeah, like, I I just think, like, Davis is almost worn out a little bit just because he's had to carry such a big load. So, I'll take Michigan State, but Johnny Davis is capable of going off for 35 and just winning this game. So, that's something to be cognizant of. Uh but we've got the big game here. Illinois come off that big win against uh, Indiana. They lost the matchup earlier this season against Purdue, uh, looking for some revenge. But Purdue, uh, big game here. Uh, they're new number one seed in uh, the bracketology. So this is going to be a very uh, good game. I'm going to take Illinois to cover the five-point spread. Uh, I'll take Illinois to win the game outright. I think they get a little bit of revenge uh, for the earlier loss. I think they take a commanding lead in the Big Ten standings. Mm, I'm going to take Purdue because not many teams match up well with Kofi Coburn. They do. I'm a believer in this Purdue team still. I think they're one of the best teams in the country. That defense isn't good, though. It is outside the top 100 in Ken Palm. I'm going to take Purdue to win in Mackey because Mackey's not an easy place to play. I'm going to take them to cover. Illinois is still really good, but I just don't think they're Purdue good. All right. Uh, so differing picks there. We've got Utah State going on the road to take on Wyoming. Wyoming is only three-point favorites here. Uh, do, you, do you still like Wyoming, Roland? I think Wyoming will continue to, to, to win here because Utah State's good, but I don't think they're all that good. They've had some up and down games. They should their record should be better than what it is. Their net and Ken Palm are both pretty solid. Justin Bean, he's a good player, but I just think they don't have enough around Justin Bean to be able to beat Wyoming. All right. I'm I'm also going Wyoming. I just think you have two like I guess Justin Bean it probably is like the same caliber player as EK and Maldonado, but I think you have two stars versus one star. So I'll, I'll take the team with two stars and they're playing at home. So give me that. UCLA came off a tough loss to Arizona State. We mentioned that earlier. Going on the road to take on Stanford. Uh, do you like the Bruins to at least cover the seven? Uh, I guess if they're covering the seven, they'll win. But do you like them? 
I think Stanford's in the cover here. I think UCLA's fine or UCLA is a fine team. I still think they're really good. But what it comes down to for me here is I mentioned that UCLA's front court is a big struggle for them. Stanford has a ton of size, and I think that's in a really way in their advantage in this one. A guy like Brandon Angel could be a big X factor. I'm gonna take the Cardinal to cover. I'm going to take UCLA to cover. I think they're due for a bounce back game uh, after this tough or tough uh, Arizona road trip. So give me UCLA. I don't feel very confident, but uh, taking them anyway. Wednesday, we've got Xavier going on the road to take on Seton Hall. Seton Hall, one point favorites. Uh, Xavier just lost to DePaul. So that's a concern. Seton Hall beat Creighton. Uh, so they're moving off the bubble a little bit. Do you like the Pirates to continue to move off the bubble? Both teams are kind of struggling right now, but I think Xavier is just a better team top to bottom. They did lose a confusing game to DePaul, but I do like Jack Nungy, Zach Fremantle, Paul Scruggs getting it going. If Bryce Aiken doesn't play, I really don't know what to think of the Seton Hall team, so I'm going to go with Xavier. I'm going to go Seton Hall to protect home court. I think uh, even if Aiken doesn't play, I think they'll get just enough uh, contributions. I can't imagine this game being too terribly high scoring. So give me a good traditional rock fight, uh, 62-58 Seton Hall win. That's what I'm going for. Houston, Houston, they've been beating up on the American, which shouldn't surprise anyone given the American, but this might be their toughest matchup uh, of the season. Go on the road to take on SMU. Do you like the Cougars to cover the seven? No, I think SMU is in a cover. They're coming off a loss at Wichita State where they really played poorly. Kendrick Davis might be the best player on the floor. He probably he is the best player on the floor in this game. I think I, I think I'm gonna go here and say SMU wins. I think they can pull off the upset. They need this win. Houston's great defensively, but I still question how good they can actually be on offense. They look good today against Cincinnati. Fabian White hit a bunch of threes. He's been one of the more improved players in college basketball. But there's going to be days where White and Kyler Edwards aren't hitting shots, and they're going to need someone else to step up. Is that this game against SMU? I think it could be give me the Mustangs. Man, I put this on there just because uh, I was going to pick the upset, but you beat me to it. So we're we're both on the same Ah, page. I got it. Yeah, so yeah, give me SMU. Uh, they, I, I think Houston for one, they have not played a really tough schedule. Uh, how about this? Here's a stat. I was kind of looking this up. They have not beaten a team given a five seed or higher since uh, March of 2018. So they, they, this this Houston team, they haven't beaten anyone tough. This is going to be a tough matchup. Uh, SMU is very good, and I'm going to take SMU to win the game. I don't know that say very good. They're very good for the American. Hey, they, they're they're easily the second best team in the American. Yeah, that's not saying much. Yeah, and hey, second best in the American is like uh, sixth best in the WCC. Mm, very true. Yeah, not saying a whole lot. So, um. Anyway, Baylor going on the road to take on Kansas State. Bears loss kind of convincingly to Kansas. Do they rebound against a Kansas State team that I I think could move themselves into the NCAA tournament field if they're able to get this win? 
I think they just have too many losses to really get in. But I do like this team. Nigel Pack is awesome. Mark Smith has been a great small ball four. I think they're going to cover. I don't think they're going to win, but I think they're going to cover. Yeah, give me Kansas State to cover. And I'm going to pick them to uh, win the game as well. Uh, they they need this. Uh, got the win against TCU. They know they what they need to do. They need to go 5-3 and three in the Big 12 from here on out. And they're going to do it. They're going to uh, – Get the win here and uh, go five and three, sneak into the NCAA tournament. That's what's going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, give me Kansas State upset here. All right. uh, next matchup, we've got Texas Tech going on the road to take on Oklahoma. Do you like an upset here? No, I think it's a must win game for Oklahoma, but I don't think they're going to win. They're 13 and 10, they've lost seven of eight. And I just don't think they match up very well with Texas Tech because Texas Tech is so good defensively. They have a lot of scoring options where Oklahoma, they've struggled offensively a good amount this year. They struggled against Auburn uh, defensively. They're not particularly great on either end of the floor, and they turn the ball over a ton, which could be a bit of a problem against Texas Tech's defense. So I'm going to take the Red Raiders here to cover. Yeah, I'm going to take Texas Tech as well. Uh, yeah, I think this Oklahoma team, they're certainly struggling. I do think Oklahoma at some point is, or Texas Tech at some point is going to take a loss upcoming, but I don't think it's here. I, I think uh, the Red Raiders are just a better team, so give me them. Uh, Tessie going on the road to take on Mississippi State. Mississippi State, I mean, they're they're right there near the bubble. Are they able to get a win here and help solidify themselves as a potential tournament team? Man, I'm going to say Tennessee. I like what I've seen from Tennessee recently, especially from Zakai Ziegler. They got 20 from Josiah Jordan James the other day. I'm going to take Tennessee. I, I think they're getting, getting it going on the offensive end. I don't know how good Mississippi State actually is. I'll take uh, Mississippi State uh, just as kind of like a flyer upset. Uh, yeah, sure, upset here. Uh, give me Mississippi State. I don't think – this game will be too pretty. I think it's going to be a good old fashioned rock fight, but uh, give me the Bulldogs to get a much needed win against a tournament team and help solidify themselves as a potential tournament team as well. So give me that. Uh, Loyola Chicago gone on road to take on Bradley. I'm rolling with the upsets. I'm taking Bradley plus the two to beat Loyola Chicago. I could do- go down. This could go down very poorly though. Yeah, I think it will. I don't think that'll end particularly well for you. I'm going to go with Loyola Chicago to win and cover here. I do like Bradley, Terry Roberts, Malibu Leones. Uh, they have some pieces, Reank Mast. I like them, and I think they could be a contender in the Valley Tournament. But for this game, I'm going to go with Loyola Chicago to get the road win. All right. Prep spot here for Purdue. They're going on the road to take on Michigan. I think this is a makeup game. Don't Don't quote me on this, but I think this is. Uh, which is going to be tough for Purdue to play two really tough games in two days. But I'll take Purdue anyway to cover the five-point spread here. Michigan needs it, that's for sure. I mean, they've competed with Purdue the first time. Hunter Dickinson played really well the other day against them, but the shooting was, again, not particularly great. I'm going to take Purdue just because I think they're a lot better. All right, so both on Purdue uh, minus the five points here. So we got that. Uh, then the last game, we've got Washington State, who is a top 40 team in the net. And There's, in Ken Palm. The metrics Ken- love Washington State. 
Oh yes, they they love not, nothing like a team that just wherever they play someone not good just completely uh, you know blows them out uh, so much that their metrics get inflated more than what their resume is. But yeah, I mean Washington State is their metrics darling. Like this team, uh, they are thirty second in Kempom, thirty sixth in the net. Uh, as 48th in Sagarin, 46th in BPI, uh, but in strength of record, 107th. So they they need to get a win here. I don't think they're going to do it, though. Give me Arizona to win and cover the six-point spread. I, too, will be taking the Wildcats to cover. Noah Williams has not been good this year, and he was supposed to be an all-conference first-team kind of guy. He just hasn't gotten it going. Michael Flowers has probably been their most consistent score this year. F.A. Abagidi has been up and down. I'm going to take Arizona to win and cover. Didn't Noah Williams have, like, 43 in a game last year? Uh, I don't know if it was 43. I remember it was, like, a two-overtime game against Stanford. I know it was, like, might have been 42. Let me see. It was it was a three overtime game and he had forty. Ah, disappointing. What a, what yeah, a game! He just hasn't played well this year, and like the talent's there, but it's just been a struggle for him. Like he hasn't shot the ball well, twenty percent from three. He's only shooting thirty four percent from from two point range. He's a great defender, so he still brings a ton of value. Just the offense is really really tailed off. Yeah, so good need to. Uh, get it going here for Washington State, but neither of us are predicting it. So uh, we're rolling with Arizona. Any last thoughts before we sign off here? No, that'll do it for me. Just make sure to uh, leave a review if you enjoy the podcast. Yeah, leave a review. And yeah, we'll we'll be back. Uh, break all this down uh, from this week. It should be Uh, one of the more exciting weeks. Uh, So stay tuned until that, but we'll be back next time.